This morning is that we're going to continue our series, The Me I Want to Be, and, and um, the, the theme or the, or the topic of, of this morning is redemption or being redeemed. And if you've seen that movie, time after time after time after time, there is a redemption story in that movie. From the time with the, the Barnum, who you've heard probably of Barnum and Bailey Circus, right? Uh, Barnum is, is a little boy and his life is redeemed. As he just uh, as he fo- fo- follows in the footsteps of his father, um, and then as as things just tragedies and different things get in his way, he constantly has to work very hard uh, to make it, to even survive, to have a family, to have his family survive. And it is a redemption story um, like none I had seen in, in quite a while. So again, if you haven't seen that movie, this is not like a t- you know a plug for it necessarily, but it kind of is because it was really good. Really, really enjoyed it. Um, and I love, there's, there's one line in it in particular, and it says this, no one ever made a difference by being like everyone else. Let that sink in for a moment. No one ever made a difference by being like everyone else. As people that call ourselves Christ followers, we're called to be different, right? We're called to not be like everyone else. We're called to follow um, in the footsteps of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and be different and make a difference in this world. So when we think about redemption, when you think about re- the word redemption, maybe what comes to mind? Uh, things like this, right? The, the, ca- the CA cash value refund. Um, sorry, I realized that this is for a, uh, an alcoholic beverage. Um, but this is what I could find online, so... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, but, but this is, I mean, we see these on our bottles and cans. We just talked about that. Paul takes this stuff down to the recycling center and, and you know, gets money for it. We, we redeem that stuff, those, those bottles and cans, uh, for money. We also redeem coupons, right? I don't know if you've been playing the Monopoly game at Vaughn's, uh, but you get the coupons on there, and it's like for free salt and a bunch of other stuff you don't ever need. But it's cool because you get to redeem them, and they're free, and it's awesome, right? Um, in sports, we have redemption seasons, right? We have these, these seasons where it's like, man, our team is terrible, and they have done nothing but be terrible all year long. And then the next season, they come back, and they totally redeem themselves. And they have an amazing season. We, as uh, San Diego fans, don't know anything about that, unfortunately. Uh, but that's okay. Um, one day, we will be redeemed. Go Padres? I don't know. <laughs> It's terrible, but it's okay. At least there's other stuff to do here in San Diego, right? That's, that's a positive thing. Uh, but it's certainly at, at church, here, here in this place, and in our, in our Christian faith, redemption is, is a big deal. In fact, I would argue it's one of the, the pillars, the key pillars uh, to our faith, understanding that we are God's precious and chosen creation, but that the stuff, this stuff, this thing called sin gets in our way between actually knowing God all that well. And when we have this sin in our life, our life gets, our life gets funny. Our life gets kind of fuzzy. We aren't able to see God clearly. We're not able to experience his blessings clearly because we have the bad stuff that we wish wasn't there. There. And so God came up with this plan of redemption through his son, Jesus Christ. We celebrated just a few weeks ago. Easter, right? The cross represents what Christ did for us to sacrifice himself for us, for our sin, for all the bad stuff that we have in our life. Because see, we have to understand that in, in, in God's economy, my life is worth a premium. Your life is worth a premium. And I would argue, and I would take it a step further, that human life is, is worth a premium, 
right? There was this uh, movement. This is going to date me a little bit, but that's okay. This was kind of the first human rights movement that I can remember at growing up for my generation. It was called Invisible Children. And actually, one of my buddies was, was one of the guys who, who started this whole kind of campaign to bring the world in, or bring light to the world about these terrible things that were going on in Uganda. See, there was a guy named Joseph Kony, and he was part of the Lord's Resistance Army. And what he would do is he would go into these villages and he would take young boys, eight, nine, ten years old. He would brainwash them. He would beat them. He would abuse them and then get, him to, or get those boys to do absolutely terrible, terrible things. He'd give them weapons and they'd go and just completely take down villages, women, children, babies. Didn't matter. He would do these terrible things and have these children do these terrible things. And so what my buddy did, my buddy, one of my buddies, his name was Jason, he took a video camera. He heard about this somewhere, and I don't even remember where he heard about it, but him and two guys got on a plane with a video camera, and they went and filmed some of these terrible atrocities. They went and filmed interviews with some of these boys that were in the Lord's Resistance Army, which that's a terrible name, right? <laughs> Just right there. And they heard their stories, and it was heartbreaking. It was absolutely heartbreaking to hear the terrible, terrible things that, that these boys had gone through. But it didn't stop there. They weren't just going to bring awareness to the world. Their, their hope was to reach and affect as many of these boys that had been taken into this army, actually to rescue them. So they started this campaign, Invisible Children, to actually rescue some of these boys and redeem them because they believed that those lives were valuable, not just for humanity, but to God. And that even as they had done these terrible things, that God could actually redeem their stories. And it's amazing. You listen to interviews. I didn't have time to put this in today. But I've heard interviews of some of the boys that are now grown up. They're in their 20s and 30s. And how God has redeemed their life. Their life that started out so nasty and disgusting and horrific. And how God has redeemed their life. And they're out now sharing and using their stories to share the gospel. So we're in the book of Ephesians, and we're going to continue to be in this book for quite a while. Uh, today we're going to be looking at um, Ephesians 1, and actually we're going to be focusing mostly on Ephesians 1, uh, 7 through 11. So if you, have your, if you have your Bibles or your phones, you can break that out real quick and uh, get there. I'm going to read it here in just a moment, and then we'll kind of pick through this passage a bit. Let you get there for a moment. Again, Ephesians 1, 7 is where we're going to start. Read along with me if you would. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he, he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he, which he purposed in Christ, to put into effect when the times, the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. See, the theme that is kind of woven through this passage is this, because God paid for me with his son's life, I have great value to him. Do you feel valuable to God? Do you feel valuable to God? Do you believe that God values you and your life? What are some things that we value in this life, right? So start thinking about them. What are some things that we value in this life? We value family. A lot of us value family or friendship. 
we value each other's opinion most of the time, unless it's wrong, and then we don't value it at all, right? But we value maybe, uh, sorry, we value family mementos. We value relationships. We value um, sometimes possessions like cars or homes or, or other things, possessions. Uh, for me, I didn't know quite the understanding of, of value until I had my first son, right? So this is Oli as a baby, just a few weeks old, yeah, right? Like, look at this guy right there. Oh, gosh darn it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and here's the thing, I, here's the, the picture that I want to paint for you this morning is this, that, that this little guy, now he's now 10, he just turned 10, but this little guy when he was born, I didn't realize, and parents, maybe you'll understand this, I didn't realize how much love a person could have in their heart until I met him, right? He was born, and he comes out all slimy and gross and whatever, you know, and you're just like all, this little glob I'm supposed to, and then you, then you, then you lock eyes with him for the first time, and it's over right? It's over. And I would run through any wall. I would go to hell and back. I would do anything I needed to do to protect my son and to love him and care for him. And, and, and he is one of my most valuable things in my life. And the crazy thing is, and this is so hard for me to wrap my head around, and maybe you can help me with it, I don't know, but, but like the amount of value and love and care that I feel for my son, it pales in comparison the amount that God, our Father, loves each one of us. It doesn't even scratch the surface how much God loves us and cares for us. And you know what? He did go to hell and back for us, for us, to redeem us, to give us a different story, to show us how much that he loves us. In Ephesians 1, Seven, we're going to just pick apart the first part of this passage. In him we have redemption through his blood. And I mentioned before, we all have sin in our lives. If you don't know what sin is, sin is basically the stuff that we wish wasn't there. It's the bad stuff in our lives, the things that kind of give us an upset stomach when we're, when we're in the middle of doing them. Or, you know, it's, the, it's those shoulder angels, you know, the little one that's saying, don't do this, and the other one that's saying, yes, do this. And you know that the one that's saying, yes, do this, is, is the wrong choice. It's, it's the stuff in our lives we, didn't, we don't want there. And through Jesus' sacrifice, through his redemptive blood, we have been made clean and blameless. Another way that Paul puts it in one of the other uh, books that he wrote was in 1 Corinthians. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. The price was Jesus' sacrifice on the cross for us. The cross. He took our place. Because of our sin... Romans says the wages of our sin, because of our sin, is death. But the gift of God in Christ Jesus is eternal life. Now, there are three implications of this truth that I want to go through this morning. And the first one is this. Because I've been redeemed, I can have a better story. See, all of our lives are stories, right? And each moment in our lives is a page that is being written. Some of us have rougher stories than others, if we're super honest. Some of us have been and experienced things that, man, I would hope that nobody would ever have to experience. But regardless of your experience and where, where you're at in this journey, if you experience pain, if you experience hurt or suffering or shame or sadness or any of those things, I want to make sure that you understand this this morning. That was not the way that God designed your story to be written. It wasn't the way that he designed your story 
to be written. But again, it's because of that sin that our li- in our lives that our stories have these hardships written into them. And God understood that humanity needed a better way, a supernatural way, a different way to write our stories. So he came up with that way through his son, Jesus Christ. In him, we have redemption through his blood and the forgiveness of sins. Now, I want to make sure you understand this. This is not a free pass to just go out and do whatever it is you would like, right? Just because we have redemption through his blood and the forgiveness of sins and Jesus' blood and, and, and he forgives us, that's not a free pass to go out and do whatever it is that you'd like to do. Not at all. No, instead, it's a recognition and it's an understanding that we've been bought at an incredible price. Our lives have been purchased. That's what redemption means. That's what redeem means, to be repurchased. Our, our lives have been purchased at a, an incredible price. And because of that, our lives should look different in this world. Wherever we are, wherever, whatever we're doing, whether we're in school or at work or in a mom's group or whatever, about, you know, we should look different to this world. Because of Christ's sacrifice, our story can be different. It can be better. It can have more purpose. It can have more change. And it can be full of grace. But you have to accept that Christ gave his life for you and forgave your sins. Which kind of leads me to a question. How am I experiencing daily forgiveness? Is this something you do on a, on a regular basis? I know for me, a lot of times I get up in the morning and, and, you know, groggy and whatever, and I make the kids lunches, and I help make coffee, and I, you know, kind of, and then I go have a little bit of a quiet time. And it's during that quiet time or that just time where I'm by myself, and all, you know, full disclosure, it's usually in the bathroom because it's the only quiet place that I have in my house. <laughs> we live in a two-bedroom condo that's very small, so it's like, you know, okay. <laughs> so it's quiet in there, and I can just actually just for a moment just read a scripture For a moment, I can just pray. For a moment, I can just say, okay, God, um, you know my trespasses. You know how I messed up yesterday. You know, and I can just kind of go through this routine of saying, God, I'm I'm sorry for that. That's not the life I I want to live. Today, Lord, help me to be better. Today, help me to do better. Today, help me to represent you more. Today, help me to show other people that you've redeemed my life, that you value me, that you have a different story for me, and help me to share that with other people. In 1 John 1, 8 through 10, it says, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar, and his word is not in us. See, this idea of redemption, especially from an Old Testament perspective, it is about paying the redemption price for sin. And in most cases in the Old Testament, so we have the Bible, it's broken up into two sections, right? The Old Testament and the New Testament. In the Old Testament, it was about a blood sacrifice, which I know in, in today's context, in 2018, is, makes you squeamish, right? It just makes you kind of feel, ew, blood sacrifice, that's gross. Do we really? And we don't do that anymore because of, the, because of the price that Jesus paid for us on the cross. And Jesus became the complete and final blood sacrifice for us. But the way that it would work in the Old Testament was like this. You would go to the temple, and you would take an innocent animal, typically a lamb or a dove, and you'd go to the altar, and you would talk to the priest, and you would share, you know, or pray or ask God, hey, God, forgive me for this. But then you would take the life of that animal. And that animal's life would take your place. And again, I know that sounds super weird. (laughs) It is weird. (laughs) 
But God's plan for us was that he was going to send his son, Jesus Christ, so we wouldn't have to do that anymore. Not just on the animal side of things, but so that we wouldn't have to feel the weight and the, and the expression of our sin in our lives anymore. His sacrifice paid it all. And when we, re- when we realize that we've been redeemed at a great price, we can feel uh, good about our future. Knowing we are valuable to Christ, knowing we are valuable to God, it actually can, can fuel uh, us into having a better story. Think about when you feel valued at work or you feel valued wherever it is. Do you want to do a better job? Typically, yeah. When I feel valued here in my role, when I have people that are saying, oh man, Tony, whatever it is you're doing, this and that and the other thing, like you're doing a great job, that makes me feel valued and actually makes me want to try harder and work harder and do more. And I think that's, that's for all of us, that's, that's the case. It gives us the confidence even when we face opposition and setbacks. And so speaking of setbacks, again, I'm going to ask you, do you confess your sin on a regular basis, maybe on a daily basis? If you're not in the habit of doing that, maybe it's, it's time to start. God, I don't want this stuff in my life anymore. I know it shouldn't be there, but I can't do this on my own. So Lord, please help me. Get rid of this stuff, this sin that's in my life. If you want to, you could even take it a step further. Now, this is incredibly scary. I'm not going to lie. When I was actually doing my run-through, both the other pastors were like, oh, you do what? Um, because I actually meet with, with, I've told you guys about my accountability partners. I have two guys that I've known since we were uh, about four years old. And we've grown up together. And they know me uh, very, very well, very, very deeply and we've shared all sorts of life experiences together, and, and it's, I, I'm, I love these guys so much because they're such a huge blessing in my life. But they are able to ask me any question about anything in my life, and I welcome it. And it's the same for me to them. But one of the things that we do, we, we, we would meet usually every other week, and we would be, you know, meet at Sombreros and get a, bur- a burrito or meet somewhere else in the evening and get something you know, to eat or whatever and hang out. But we found that this, this element of confessing to each other, this confession of sin to each other, even though we've already confessed our stuff, our sins to God, there was some more, there was a deeper sense of freedom that we experienced when we confessed our sins to each other. Now, that is an incredibly vulnerable space to be in. And I would be, if I'm completely honest with you, I, I can't tell you how many times I'm going into these meetings with these guys where I'm trying to figure out a way to get out of them right? Like, is there something, I definitely am feeling sick right now. Or, you know, like, I'm going to drive around the block a bunch of times and run out of gas so I can't make it there. Or whatever, you know what I mean? Like, I'm trying to come up with a silly excuse to not have to go. But I'll tell you this, when I do go, and when we do meet together, and we catch up, and we, we you know, but we, we confess to each other, and then we pray for each other. Because, see, the, the confession is, is, is good, but the redemption comes from the encouragement that follows that. Hey, this is not you. Your sin, this is not who you are. God forgives that. He washes it clean through his son, Jesus Christ, sacrificed for us. So when we confess our sins, we have increased clarity. Again, sin gets in the way. Sin gets in the way of us, of us having communion with God. Sin gets in the way of, of seeing God clearly in our lives. Uh, the passage that we're looking at this morning in Ephesians says, With all wisdom and understanding, he has made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure. One of these quotable moments is this. Oops, I went too far. God is the author of clarity, not confusion. 
I know for me in my life, when I've got confusion about something, it's because I haven't brought God into that situation. When I'm fuzzy about something that normally I would just be like, okay, we're going to go. Like, we're going to do this. It's time. Or even like I'm fuzzy or, or, or confused about whether or not I should have a little bit more of a conversation with somebody about Jesus. Or if I'm confused, you know, whatever situation it is, when that's happening, it's because I haven't brought God into that situation. Or I have some sin that's in the way of me seeing God clearly. He is the author of clarity, not confusion. I know the first time that I jumped out of a plane with a parachute on, one of the things that I wanted to make sure of was this, that the person that was packing my parachute was completely clear on what he was doing right? I can remember sitting there and going through the class, and they're telling all the things, and I'm, I'm checking all the boxes that say, if you die, then this and this and this, and it's like, okay, okay this is awesome, but I'm, and I'm super nervous, but I'm, I remember watching the guy actually pack my chute, and, I, and this literally happened. Uh, there, somebody came over and started talking to him while he was packing my chute, and I was like, hey, <laughs> don't talk to him right now, right? Don't talk to that guy right now. He has to focus on what he's doing. That parachute is going to be on my back, and I don't want to be riding the parachute down. I want to ride, you know, I mean, I want to be riding the parachute down, not the other way around, right? And it was very, very important for, for that guy to have clarity. Um, but here's the thing. When you, when you do, when you do, when you do the skydiving, and some of you that are, that are in the military, you know this, you jump out of the plane and, and everything is not clear, right? It's kind of like, right? And it's all happening very, very fast. And then that parachute catches you. view as you're looking, you know, for me, I think it was a little over 12,000 feet, and you're looking at this view, going, oh my gosh, I can see so clearly from up here, I can see above the clouds, I can see over that mountain that I couldn't see from the ground, oh, it's amazing, that clarity, right, and another way that I can put it is this, when we understand that the earth is round and, and not flat, which, believe it or not, there's a large group of people that are now starting to come back to the whole earth is flat thing. If you're one of them, I'd love to hear your opinion. That'd be awesome. Um, <laughs> but, but when we understand that the earth is round and not flat, it actually explains quite a few things. It's actually like a key that unlocks massive amounts of knowledge about our planet. And, and likewise, when we understand God's macro plan for us, his micro plan begins to unfold in our lives. We get this new kind of clarity in our life because... We have a new life. Jesus said the more we seek truth and understanding, the more truth and understanding we're going to get. But on the flip side of that, the more we suppress truth and understanding, the less truth and understanding that we're going to get. Actually, I believe that if we pull back from that, the truth and understanding, actually some of that is taken away from us over time. We see this this principle and this scenario play out in, in thousands of ways in our lives every single day. So then, what are we doing, what am I doing to learn all that God has revealed to me in my life? Well, hopefully, we're all studying God's Word. And if you're not, there's this awesome app on your phone, it's called YouVersion. You can actually download it, it's totally free. It will totally come up with a verse of the day, and you can start there. It'll buzz on your phone in the morning, or whenever you set it up, and it'll it'll show up on your phone, and you can read just a little passage of Scripture just to study God's Word. We dive in, hopefully, to God's Word. We pursue a deeper relationship with God. Most of you that are here this morning, in some way, shape, or form, are here because you want to have a deeper relationship with God. 
So then how are we applying his word in our lives? Are we teaching others? You know that, that when you can teach something, right, it helps you understand it better. You have to have a pretty good understanding before you go into the, the teaching model. But I love when, when students especially, when they, can, when they can spit back or spout back the, the stuff that I've just gotten done teaching, it's like, okay, they've got it. They understand it. That's good. They have clarity there. And, and this is the thing. Even if you don't, I don't know where you are on your journey, but even if you don't have a relationship with God and you're just kind of here today checking this out, maybe you're visiting for the first time, I, did, I don't know. All you have to do is ask. God, I don't know a lot about this stuff. This guy's up here. He's talking about blood sacrifices. He's talking about jumping out of airplanes. He's, I, don't, I don't know about all that stuff, but God, I just want to hear your voice. I want to understand what it means to be redeemed. I want to understand how much you value me in my life. If you ask God for that, he will be faithful. He absolutely will be faithful to answer that. But your eyes and your heart have to be open to it because it's not going to come like necessarily in an audible way. It might, might not come like you're hearing me and I can hear you. You got to look for it. But God will show himself to you and he will absolutely reveal himself to you because he loves you. And when we understand that we are valuable to God, we understand that he loves us and that, we, that he has a better story that he can write for us. When we trust his plan and therefore we understand we have a greater clarity in our lives, then we can have this, this unified purpose. The last part of the passage in Ephesians, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. See, as Christ followers, we're stronger and we can have more impact when we work together, when we're together on something. Actually, uh, Pastor Steve, who, who normally is up here doing this, Steve, uh, when he, at the beginning of the year, as we all sat down as a staff, he kind of, he, he told us that he's been praying for a word from God, just a single word. And the word that, that he kind of felt like he got from the Lord was impact. Want to have a greater impact. And so he talks about that all the time. How are we going to have a greater impact in our community? How are we going to have a greater impact on this campus of this school? How are we going to have a greater impact in our workplaces and in our schools? See, this is the thing. When we are a church that is working together, we are united under a common goal and a common purpose. So watch out, Pacific Beach. It was so cool last week uh, to have to have the folks that helped out with the Earth Day project. Thank you so much for all of you that went and did that. I know some of the school people that were here, the representatives from the school that showed up, they were super blessed by it. I heard all week long the different teachers and staffs and, and, and families that were walking out, especially this way, that didn't have to step on all the, the nasty little goat's head thorns that are out there, um, just saying thank you for that. It was really, really cool. But the, 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 probably the coolest thing that I experienced last week was as people were walking by that didn't go to New Break. And they asked questions to the folks that were weed whacking out there or raking or shoveling or whatever. What are you guys doing this for? Oh, well, we're part of a church that meets at this school. We've actually been here for over 20 years. And we just want to have an impact on this area. We understand that, that, that this, is, this is God's creation and we want to take care of it today. And it was so fun to just have people just be like, oh, huh, what do you know? Like, look at that. There was actually one guy that rode in on his scooter and he had a whole boatload of questions, uh, and it was awesome. I know Jesse and I talked to him about it for a little bit. It was really, really cool. 
And that's the type of impact we're hoping to have um, on this neighborhood. But it's, it's more than just like doing something nice for the school or, or this, this block that we're in. No, we, we are united and working together uh, because we want to make sure that people understand that God has a better story for them. That no matter where they are in their lives, no matter how far away from God, if, even if they've never known God, that God has a purpose for them, that God values them, and that their lives can be redeemed through him. Some of you are going to partake in the, in the next outreach that we're doing. It's our Mexico mission, our Mexico house build trip. You're going to go down to Mexico and you're going to, you know, work in the sun over Memorial Day. You're going to build four, five, six houses. You're going to change somebody's life, a family's life forever when you hand over the keys to that home where they might have just come from living in cardboard boxes or things just thrown, to, houses just thrown together. You're going to change somebody's life. You're going to show them that their story is not yet fully written and they can experience Christ's sacrifice and love on a daily basis. There's actually still room for that trip. If you'd like to go, don't try to sign up on our website. (laughs) I wish I could tell you to go to the website, but don't do it. Email me and I will absolutely get you connected with with, uh, Kelly, who's, who's in charge of the trip. So here's the thing, when we, when we, um, we have a better story, when our, incl- our clarity is increased, we understand that we have a, a, a united purpose. We understand those things in, in our lives, then, then it's easier for us to understand this, and this is, um, oops, sorry about that, I skipped it. It's easier to understand this passage right here, and this is something we're going to be looking at in, a, in about a month, but I skipped ahead a little bit. We are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Do you get that? Do you understand that? Do you believe those statements that you are God's handiwork? It's the truth about you that God has put into your life? Do you, do you know that you are God's handiwork and not something that was just thrown together willy-nilly? That you were created and designed for a purpose? And guess what? God has given you every single tool you need in your life to live into that purpose. You might think, well, no, God surely screwed up with me, and then you insert your failure there. And and I'm here to tell you that Scripture says quite the opposite, actually. Your failures, hear this, please, your failures are not what define you. Your sin is not what defines you. You are defined by the God who created you with a purpose. And for each one of us, that purpose is going to look a little different, but it all points to the same direction, helping other people know and understand how much God loves them and cares about them and they are precious to him. Another version of the Bible says that that we are his masterpiece. I love that word masterpiece because it brings in the, the element of care and time and like tenderness, not the song, Right? masterpiece. We are God's masterpiece. He took time with us. He cares about how he put us together. You have everything you need through God to knock it out of the park in whatever situation, whatever scenario you are in, but you have to believe that. You have to believe that. We can't buy into the lie that this world tries to sneak into our lives on a daily basis, that we're not good enough. We're, not a, we're a failure as a mom or a dad or a husband or a wife or a, uh, you know, a sister or a brother or whatever, a worker or a co-worker. That's not true. That is not true. And even if you've gone down that path 
and you feel like you're a failure, today is a new day. You don't have to live with that anymore. God, I understand that I have screwed up. God, please forgive me from that. I want a new story today. Don't believe those lies. You see, in our walks with Christ, distance creates division, but conversations create community. The distance that we experience from God is that sin that we've been talking about all morning, that stuff that shouldn't be there. How about you? I don't want to be divided from God. I want to be close to God. I want to have communion, community with God. I want to be right there, like sewn together, my heart and God's heart sewn together so that I understand what it is that he has for my life. I understand the purpose that I, that I hold in my life and how much I am valued by God. It's interesting. I, I attend the, uh, the PB Town Council meetings just about every month. They're on the third Wednesday of every month. If you want to come in this right here in this room, Hear people yell at each other around the community. It's awesome. Don't want to miss it. I usually just sit in the back with a soda and take it all in. Um, but it, it, was, it was funny. About two months ago, um, the hot topic here in, in, in PB and at the PB Town Council was all the, the bird scooters and the lime bikes and all those things that you see all over our city. Now, I don't want to get into the politics of that. I'm not going there this morning, whether you agree or disagree. But what was interesting was this. You had this panel of, of representatives from all those companies that came in, and they were going to kind of give their, their vision statement for why they implemented these bikes and scooters all over Pacific Beach and all over other parts of San Diego. And then you had the community that was supposed to just ask questions, um, but you could tell from the, from the very beginning that it was going to be a very heated conversation. And, and as the first, first person got up and, and asked the first question, and it wasn't just a question, it was more of like a, a statement, and it was like, you know, just very, very much against those, those bird scooters and, and whatnot. It was, it was brilliant. I loved the way that the vice president, his name is Brian White, he's a really cool guy. Um, he loves this community a lot. Uh, he's close to knowing Jesus. I know it, I can feel it. We've had lots of conversations. I'm going to get him. I'm going to get him. Um, <laughs> But uh, Brian stood up, and what he did was he grabbed a microphone, and to the lady that was asking the first question, he said, I want to make sure I hear you correctly. I want to make sure I understand what you're asking. And then he repeated it back to her. And then he turned to the representatives that were sitting up here, and he said, this is, this is what she's... And it was this awesome, like, bridge, right? This awesome bridge, because he was trying to establish a conversation instead of a yelling match. And, and as I watched that, I just, I, it, was, it, was, it really was, it was like this God moment that was happening right here in this room because Brian was distancing anything that would cause division, right? And he was adding to the conversation. And what it did was it added community. It was beautiful to watch as, as the, the meeting ended. Everybody got to say their piece. But then you watch the conversations that happened with the different reps and the different people from the community sharing with each other ideas. This can be better this way. We can do things differently this way. Oh, I wouldn't have even thought about that for this community. Yeah, we can, we can change our model, whatever it was. But the only reason that that happened was because of Brian, Brian's willingness to listen and make sure that the conversation created community. And see, I, I think that's an important reminder for us as well. Conversation is a two-way street. It's just as and it's just as important to listen as to be heard. And as Christ followers, I truly believe this, that we need to be better listeners. 
We need to be better listeners. When we listen to those around us, we can actually hear what is going on in their lives. And we can have an impact in their lives. We can meet them where their needs are at. Which then leads to this. How am I participating in God's plan to redeem the world and bring unity? If we truly believe that every person that we lock eyes with is God's chosen and special creation, that he values them, that he cares for them, that he has a new story for them, then we need to be participating in God's plan to redeem. And you all know me pretty well. Maybe some of you don't. If you're new here, you don't know me. But I'm going to tell you this right now. The way that I like to do this and the way that I truly believe is the most effective way to do this is have a relationship with people. It's that relational aspect where you're just asking people how they're doing. Even if you're in a hurry, it's taking that extra few moments to find out a little something about the guy or gal that works at Trader Joe's or the mom or dad that's on your, soccer, your kid's soccer team or whatever, and then you're remembering that conversation and you're asking them about it again. Because what you're doing without them even maybe knowing it is this. You're showing that you care. And in a world that, man, it feels like there's a lot of people that don't care. That little act can show Christ's love. And then hopefully you'll be able to have a conversation. And I love those, I love those times where I know I've had, I've had conversations with people for, for years. And then, you know, one day out of the blue, Tony, by the way, what is it that you do? I'm able to say, you know, I'm a pastor at a church. And, and the reaction is almost always the same. Oh, that makes sense, right? I love that. And just because I wear the, the, the title or the role of pastor, it doesn't matter. Like, what, 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 um, how you can be identified is you're, you're a Christ follower, first and foremost. Your lives have been redeemed by Jesus' blood and you are valuable to him. And so if we can go and share that with everybody that we come in contact with, that's how we participate in God's plan to redeem this world. We are in the business of redemption because we've been redeemed. So it's our job to help others find that same redemption through Christ.